Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Bridge. Okay, hi everyone. As Jackson said, my name is Hannah, and I've been coming to the Bridge for like probably like four years now, and I'm really excited. And I hope that as I present the Word of God to you today, um, it's my hope that you'll be encouraged, but also you're going to be challenged in it. So I just kind of want to give like a little preface of what we'll be going over. Um, I'm going to be talking about, so we're starting a new series, first of all, and it's about like being leaders. And so today we're going to talk about friendships and being leaders in those friendships. And Jesus just so happens to give us like the perfect example of how we should be in those relationships. Um, so he was the perfect leader, but I'm not just saying like the perfect leader in how he guides our life, but as he was walking on earth, he gave us a perfect example of who we should be friends with kind of and how we should choose our friends wisely. And um, so that's something that we can mimic in our lives. And so we're just gonna kind of dive into the word and compare and contrast our relationship versus Jesus' relationship with his friends. And um, what I want you guys to lean into is that like our friendships and our relationships, yes, they should be fun. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, we should have serious moments and we should be able to help each other exceed and grow. So that's kind of what I want you guys to lean into tonight. And we're going to be going over like quite a few verses and I'm going to be jumping around a lot. So most of them will be on the screen, but at some point I am going to have you open your Bible and read along with me. Um, so to start from observation through the whole New Testament, we see that Jesus has 12 main disciples and these were called the apostles. So for clarification for anyone uh, who doesn't know, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you accept him in your heart, you, are, you become a disciple. But when he was walking on earth, um, the 12 mentioned in the Bible uh, were his closest friends and they were specifically chosen to have authority and um, to drive out stuff like evil spirits and basically just work miracles and spread the gospel throughout the nations. So if you'll look with me on the screen, we're gonna read Luke 6, 12 through 16. And it says, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he came with his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas, Judas the Iscariot, who became a traitor. And so basically, those were the 12 apostles, and I just want to present that to you as a list of who his apostles were. And as I was looking, I was kind of researching like all the apostles and stuff, and I found the Greek word for apostle, which is apostolos, if I say that right, I don't know. Um, and I was basically kind of looking into the definition and it means sent one. And for me, that kind of gave like a new perspective on what an apostle is rather than just a follower and discipler um, or disciple, not discipler. <laughs> and so basically apostolos means sent one and it describes someone who represents another and has given a message from a sender or if you want to simplify that, it's a messenger. And so these 12 apostles that we see throughout the four gospels 
uh, they're given the authority of Christ, and that was their purpose. And they were sent out by Jesus to perform miracles among nations. So the reason that I want to point this out is it kind of does fall, like it seems like it would veer away from the idea of friendships, but at the same time, it works perfectly along with it. And in Acts 3, uh, Peter and John are going up to enter the temple courts. And they're stopped by a lame beggar who was crippled since birth. And basically the crippled or the cripple was just asking for money and being like, hey, do you have anything that you can give me? And Peter and John reply to him and say, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I do have, or I can, I can give you what I do have. In the name of the Holy Spirit, get up and walk. And so that's the perfect example of how God will use people to um, accomplish great things for him. Um, and then when people saw what they had done, how they were just ordinary men, they were literally astonished and they were held before the council. And the council was basically saying like, hey, like, how did you do that and stuff? Like, how did you get that power to perform miracles and to make a lame person walk? And in 4.13, this is what the council is seeing, or Acts 4.13, it's on the screen here. It says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So here, just as I said, Peter and John have performed the miracle of healing the lame beggar, and they were amazed because, as it says, they were just simple, ordinary men. They weren't anything great, and they had been with Jesus, and so because of that, Jesus used them to um, exceed and teach them, and so... Um, basically my point with that is that God uses ordinary people who obey him to accomplish his purpose. And so as apostles, when they followed Jesus, Jesus would teach them about serving others and about teaching others. And they would therefore go and they would work as teams together. Um, and we see like examples of Jesus using ordinary people all throughout the Bible. So for example, there's Moses. He was living in a desert and basically was a failure as the prince of Egypt. And then God called him to deliver a nation. So even though he fell in his first position, God used him again to deliver a nation. And also we see it in David and Goliath. Uh, David uh, was just a young shepherd boy and everyone discounted him when he said that he was gonna rise up and defeat Goliath. But God, instead had a new plan. And so he basically proved everyone wrong who discounted David and used him to defeat Goliath. And Simon Peter, he was just an ordinary fisherman, but then God used him to establish a church. And as well as Mary, this one's probably the craziest. She was just a teenage girl, probably like around the age of most of us women in the room. And um, she was used to deliver the Messiah and the Savior of the world. So those are just a couple examples of how God will use ordinary people. And as long as you're willing, God will use you to do extraordinary things. See, the interesting thing is that Jesus could have done it all by himself, but yet it was still important for them, for him to work as a team, both for his sake and for the disciples and everyone he, he was teaching because it would bless them. And furthermore, it would bring them into his kingdom. So now if you guys would open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 12, and it's going to be verses 15 through 26.
If anyone has the page number, just they can yell it or something. Or, yeah. Okay, 540. Thanks. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start reading it. So, starting in verse 15, it says, Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. In the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat them with special honor. In the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God... Wait, what? Let me read that again, sorry. Um, it says, and as the parts are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lack. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And I'm also going to throw in that last verse, uh, verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so that kind of follows in. It's like we're not solely just a person of the church. When we become a Christ follower, we are in the church and we are grounded in the church and we are part of God's kingdom. So because of that, he will use us and he's not going to use us only alone. He will use us alone, but uh, the Bible also says where two or more are gathered together, there I am among them. And so because of that, we can work together to use great, um, to do great things for the Lord. And the next thing I want to kind of... Um, expand on is that Jesus had a tribe, but he also had his best friends. And so throughout the four gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that although Jesus had 12 disciples or apostles, um, he also had an inner circle of three, which consisted Peter, James, and John. And as he was the perfect leader, he shows the importance of having the smaller inner circle for moments of intimacy with them, for moments to grow, and for moments to share his deepest feelings with them. Um, Liebe Spitzer, he was a, he's like a Christian Baptist author, and he wrote a book called Making Friends, Making Disciples, and in it he provides like kind of interesting um, illustration on friendship circles. And so there should be a picture up on the screen. Here we go. Okay, so in the center circle, that's for best friends. So that expands from like two to five of your closest friends who you're really like in depth with them kind of thing. And then right below is special friends. And so that kind of expands from three to five uh, people who you're pretty close with. And then the next circle is for social friends, which is like seven to 12 people who you hang out with in groups and like are pretty regular with them. And then finally, 
There is the casual friends, which more simply put, they're basically just like acquaintances and it's basically just anyone who you kind of met but you don't really have a relationship with. And then anything outside of the circle is just people who you aren't really friends with. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard of this. It was like long time ago and I only heard about it recently, but T-Mobile at some point had like this era where it was like fave five so you could sign up for or like buy something and then buy like a phone and their plan. And so you'd only have five friends who you could call unlimited. Otherwise you'd have to talk to like, or you'd have to pay to talk to anyone. So kind of wanted to throw that in there because it's like when you have that opportunity to pick favorite, your favorite five people to call unlimitedly, um, like you're obviously going to pick your best friends. And so Jesus kind of had his best friends and, you know, he chose out of his 12, out of his social friends to have these people who he would be like calling up on the time basically. Um, And so Jesus had his casual friends, which is basically everyone who followed him. And he had social friends, which were his apostles. He had special friends, which are uh, just basically the apostles who were, closer to him and that we see throughout the gospels more and then also he has best friends which I already mentioned Peter James and John so to give you guys a little example of how Jesus was in depth with his apostles or more so Peter James and John which were his best friends I'm gonna talk about the transfiguration a little bit so for Christ transfiguration he brought Peter James and John up with him to witness a moment of radiant transformation in his appearance. So if you guys will turn with me to Matthew 17. And this is just uh, the story of his transfiguration. It's going to be verses 1 through 13. So it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking... A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came down and touched them. Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking about John the Baptist. So just six days before this, Jesus foretold his death and his resurrection to the disciples. So obviously they didn't have the foreshadowing that we have and we know that he was resurrected. Resurrected. They were just kind of confused. And so the reason that this story is so applicable is that um, he took Peter, James, and John with him 
so that he, they could witness his transfiguration, so that they would be able to witness that he is powerful and that he has a lot of glory. And so here they were able to perceive his true glory and his divine nature. And then now I'm going to have you guys turn like nine chapters ahead to Matthew 26. And here it's right after the Passover and Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane to pray. Um, so here we see that uh, in the beginning. Oh, sorry. It's going to be verses 36 through 38. Um, so here we see that in the first verse that Jesus took all of his disciples, but then separated them and took Peter, James, and John to come with him to pray. So I'm going to read that now. Um, verse 36 reads, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Then he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. Those were James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And also, you guys don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read um, Mark 14, just so you can kind of compare that it was recorded across the Gospels. Let me get there real quick. It's basically the same story. Um, if anyone wants to know, it's verse 32. Um, but he says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. So right after, right after he said that, he went to pray while his disciples kept watch over him. And he asked God to basically release him from death if it was his will, but if not, his will still be done. And so in this moment, Jesus was very sorrowful, and he verbally shared that with um, Peter, James, and John, which were his three of his closest friends. So my point for that is that Jesus shares moments of grief and moments of glory with Peter, James, and John, and they were his three confidants. And as us, as we're trying to follow and mimic the ways of Jesus as Christ followers, we need to be able to have these people who, you know, we're not just always like acting like we're so great in front of them. And, you know, it's always a nice thing because we want to stay positive for people, but also we need to have people either like discipleship leaders or our best friend to be able to um, really just share with them what we're going through because that's how we're going to get through stuff. And that's what Jesus did. Um, Chad Veach, he is a Christian pastor, and he has a quote, and it says, it does not matter where the bus is going as much as who's on your bus. And so it's pretty self-explanatory, but he's just kind of saying, like, we need to make sure that the people we're surrounding ourselves with the most, that they're exceeding our faith and that they're helping us grow and that we're furthering the kingdom for the Lord together, but we're also having good times together. Um, so obviously, now that you know, Jesus had three closest friends who exceeded life with him. And together they performed miracles. And not just them four, like all of his apostles did, but they grew the kingdom of God together. And so more of the story, the four of them were challenged by each other um, to be pushed to go in the right direction. They were challenged. When Jesus was teaching his um, apostles, he challenged them to go out into all the nation and preach the good news. And that's exactly what they did. And it's not just something that 
they were able to do without encouragement and without boldness. It was something that they had to be grounded in their faith with and that they had to have Jesus to encourage them. And we still have that. Just because Jesus isn't walking on earth doesn't mean that, you know, he's not with us and he's not still encouraging us and not giving us the words because the Bible deliberately says that he is. Um, So just like Chad Beach suggested that, you know, it's important who's on your bus. It's also important to choose your friends with good judgment. You know, people who you can confide in and share your temptations and your grief with, but also just like Jesus, share your moments of glory with and share your good times with as well. Um, So like I mentioned in the introduction, Jesus was the perfect leader, but we can still implement his role in our lives and our relationships to the best of our ability. Um, And he was a great model for us, especially in areas like this. Um, We can evaluate our friendships, you know, and because of how he shared moments of grief and glory with his friends, we can also kind of, like, contrast that into our lives and see how we're doing it. And we we want our relationships to be useful to the Lord. We don't want, for example, I'm going to use Leah because she's my best friend, um, like, together, we're going to help each other grow and exceed in faith. Like, we're, it's not going to be something that we're just going to put aside and... Everyone's looking at you now. Um, not, it's not going to be something that we're just going to put aside and kind of just have good times only. Like, no, we do have serious talks and stuff, and that's something that we need to push for so that God can use us, and we need to be willing with that. Um, and so... We ought to be letting God use us, and we should be driving for God to use our friendships as teams. And the question that I want to kind of leave you guys with is, who's on your bus and who's on your team? And are they people who are really helping you further your walk with God? And are they really people who are helping you, you know, further the rest of your high school experience and stuff like that? So, yeah, that's my challenge for you guys is to kind of just evaluate that. And hopefully you took something away from this. Um, So I'm going to pray for us before we go into groups. But just generally, like if anyone has a prayer request, just raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying over. Does anyone have a prayer request? Okay. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Well, I'm just going to pray with you guys just generally. And then we'll split up into groups. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time, God. And I just pray that your spirit was just present in this place for hopefully everyone, but if not, just the people who you needed to hear this, God. And I pray that as we go through the rest of our week, God, that we would really evaluate who we're hanging out with, God, and that we would be open, that we would be willing to share um, just your word, God, and how you need to use us. And I pray that we would be bold in our friendships and be able to have these serious moments that, you know, you shared with Peter, James, and John, God. And I pray over groups um, that they would just be a good time and that It would just be good conversation, God, and that we would be in depth. And also, I pray for anyone who raised their hands for prayer requests, God. uh, Just be over them. For those who need peace, give them peace, God. And for those who need comfort, give them comfort. And I just pray that you'll be with us and have your hand of protection over us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.